Y'all can have a seat. Um, welcome to Midtown East on this historic day. Um, this is a historic Sunday because we're finally bridging the east-west divide. <laughs> no, I mean, y'all laugh, but no pastor in the history of Midtown, no Midtown West pastor has ever been asked to preach here. And no Midtown East pastor has been welcomed to Midtown West yet. So um, thank you to Brand and you all for extending the olive branch. I really appreciate it. That was dumb, guys. That was silly. That was just silly. Um, my name is Matt Avery. I'm the pastor of Midtown West. And um, I really love getting to come here and getting to be with you all and bring the word. And so um, that's what I'm going to do. We're in Nehemiah 3. And if you all would turn there, I'll read it for us and you all can read along. I asked Brant, who was reading scripture today, and he said he didn't dislike anyone enough to make them read this passage. But uh, this is, we're just going to read the first 12 verses. So this is Nehemiah 3, 1 through 12. And so if you've been here, you've been part of the series, um, Nehemiah has gotten this vision from the Lord that is bigger than himself. It is, is for his people. It is a collective vision. And he has explored this vision with the Lord. He has brought it to him in prayer. He has spent months in prayer with the Lord. The Lord finally gave him the opportunity to, to move and do something about it, step out in faith. And he went to the king, the most powerful man in the whole world at the time. And, and he uh, used his position to ask this man, send me from luxury into the ruins. Send me on a 1,500-mile journey to rebuild the city of God and, and really to rebuild the people of God. And so this is, Nehemiah is, is boots on the ground. He surveyed the scene. He invited the people into the work, and now they're getting down to the work. And so this is the word of the Lord for us this morning, Nehemiah 3. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams, they set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshazabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Joyada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Basodea, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Malatia, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths repaired next to him Hananiah one of the perfumers repaired and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall next to them Raphiah the son of Hur ruler of half the district of Jerusalem repaired next to them Jediah the son of Harumpha repaired opposite his house and next to him Hattush the son of Hashabineah repaired Malkijah the son of Harim and Hashub the son of Pahath Moab repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. This is the word of the Lord, and many names are in it. Father, uh, we, we come into your presence, and we are yours. We are your children. This is your universe, Lord. All of this is 
from you and through you and for you and to you. And we are your creation. And we love you because you first loved us. And so you promised that you were going to finish the good work that you began in us. You were going to make us complete and fully mature and holy, just like you, um, just like our Lord Jesus. And so uh, thank you that you use these times. You use your word. You use your people coming together in worship to do that. And so, Lord, we, we thank you in advance for keeping your promise and not leaving us unchanged in this time. Lord, do your good work in us. Keep us open to you. Open our eyes and ears and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So yesterday I had, uh, actually I want to start with this. Um, I want you all to write down if you have uh, pen and paper or just on your phone, keep a list. But I want to take a couple minutes and have you all just write down what is your vocation? What are your vocations? Um, what do you do for your career? What do you get paid to do? Um, if you're a parent, certainly that goes down there too. But write down all the things that you're, the things that you're involved in in your community, whatever those things are, um, just write them down. And then once you get that down, um, I also want you to write down what are the places that you go? What are the places in East Nashville, I'm assuming, that you frequent? Where, where is your coffee shop? Where is your gym? Where is your park? Um, what are, what are the, the vocations that you have? Certainly one of those vocations would be your street that you live on, uh, the people that you are, are neighbors to. And then also write down the places that you frequent. Those are kind of your, your spots that you find yourself doing life on a regular basis. And we're going to come back to this, but I want you to have, it, have this list in your mind. So yesterday I had... Uh, the privilege of getting to see a little behind the curtain moment I was on 12 South and I saw this gaggle of bridesmaids walking down the sidewalk, which is not uncommon, but this uh, group had shirts that said, um, let's get nasty. And then uh, they were slowly making their way down the sidewalk and the bride to be was the very last one. And she was wearing uh, a glitter tutu and it was just kind of like everything she was wearing was very skin tight, didn't fit very well. She had a pink cowboy hat, and um, she was limping. And so I just thought, wow, that's a, that's a really great picture uh, of <laughs> what it's like when um, I'm trying to live apart from the way that the Lord designed me to live. Um, I am just kind of limping through life, and my life doesn't really fit. And I'm, I'm trying to tell myself and everybody else that I'm having a lot of fun, but I'm really miserable. And the Lord is speaking to us about this this morning in this passage because that's what's happening here is Nehemiah has, as we said already, called these people to work. And these people were made to work like this. They were made to work shoulder to shoulder with one another um, for this vision of the Lord. But when, when I... We were made to work like that. Um, we were made to work in this body like that. We were made to build in, ver in a very similar way that these people were made to build. And um, when I don't do that, when I try to find life apart from the Lord's collective call on me as a, as a member of this family and as of the people of God, um, that's what my life starts to feel like. All of my relationships, all of my vocations just kind of get twisted 
and turn and they don't work right and the things that I'm wanting them to give me, they don't give me those things. And, and I, I just find my, my life is just not fitting and I'm trying to, to tell myself and everybody else that I'm having a really good time, um, but I wasn't made for this. And so Nehemiah here, Jesus through this passage is inviting us to see what, what are we made for? What are we made to do? And so we're going to start here just by asking this question of this passage. What were these people doing? Um, the walls were down. The gates were blocked. Nehemiah said that really clearly uh, in the last chapter, that uh, the walls, it, w- it was just ruin. It was walls down, and you couldn't go through the gates. The gates were blocked. And so the people, the Lord was working through Nehemiah to call this people to this collective vision to rebuild the city of God, and in that, to rebuild the people of God. And so what was beautiful here that we see just in this passage and it extends through the entire chapter is all of these people were working together. They were working shoulder to shoulder. Every single person was working together and they were all equally um, valuable and of equal dignity. (laughs) They were all laboring shoulder to shoulder and it didn't matter what their career was. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter if they were a man or a woman. It didn't matter if they were blue collar or white collar. You had government officials working next to priests, working next to goldsmiths and perfumers and merchants Uh, you had men and women working together you had um, all of these people they were just the people of God were out doing this work together and it was powerful it was a powerful picture Um, and what are they actually building they're building walls and gates and so first what are walls for walls are for security they're for healthy boundaries and they're ultimately they're for flourishing because it's the protection of the walls that keeps the enemies out. It keeps the destruction away. And that allows me the security that I need to flourish and to be safe and to have peace. And so when the walls are down, you cannot flourish. You cannot have peace. And also, Nehemiah is speaking about their dignity, even their, their glory as the people of God. He's saying, look at when he spoke in the last, our last passage he got the people together and he said, do you see the ruin that is in this place? And, and what's implied there is you don't see it. But like you weren't made to live like this. You've gotten comfortable living in these ruins where the walls are down and the gates are blocked and it's all a total mess and you're just okay with it. But we shouldn't be okay with it because you're the people of God. You have dignity. You have worth. You have even glory. The Lord made you in his image and you were made for more than this. And so the walls even give dignity back to the people. And then the gates, what are the gates for? They're, we know what gates are for. They're entry and exit points. But something in, in the ancient cities like this in Jerusalem, the gates were where people would gather. This is where people of, of all different walks of life, all different backgrounds would come and they would meet in the gates and they would engage with each other and they would have conversations. But this is where the people of God can go out into the world for God's purposes, and this is where the people of the world can come into the city of God to potentially learn how to commune with the God that they were made to worship. And so this is what these people were busy doing. They were building walls, and they were building gates. And it's important to stop here and just ask, what do you think it was like building these walls all day? Because this can all sound really rah-rah if we don't actually stop and think about what this was really like. For these people to, to put down the other things that they were doing and to collectively come together for months to rebuild this wall. You know, when they stopped what they were doing, what they stopped doing 
was taking care of their own fields. They stopped taking care of their own stuff to give attention and take care of the things of the city of God, the collective good, the people of God. And y'all, I mean, building a wall like this is, is really hard. It's physically demanding. It's wearying. It's painstaking. I feel like there's something here specifically for the people of Midtown East. Y'all, in some ways, have had a really long road. Some starts and stops and some, some interruptions and some shouldering the, the load that maybe you didn't think you were going to have to shoulder. And it's beautiful, but it's hard. But this work is, is slow and painstaking, and sometimes it's, it's overwhelming. And you better believe that these people had days where they thought, I would rather do anything than get up on that wall again and build. But they were being called day in, day out to lay down their own preferences and to sacrifice their own livelihoods for this collective work that the Lord was calling them to. And it was a beautiful thing, but it was a very incomplete thing. Um, there's, there's a problem here, and the problem is that rebuilding this wall could not keep out the enemies, could not keep out the destruction that was most threatening to the people of God. Because what was most threatening to the people of God, their, their deepest, darkest enemies were themselves. It was the sin that, that dwelt in their own hearts. And there's this really powerful picture in the chapter right before this where Nehemiah comes back. And, and you know, it's the part where before he tells anyone why he's there or what he's doing, he goes in the middle of the night to be undetected and he surveys the damage. And that would have been a very powerful picture for Nehemiah of the destructive effects of sin. Because he knew why that city lay in ruin. I mean, imagine seeing like a, a, a hurricane fallout scene of just buildings down and, and walls down and gates down and burned and just rubble everywhere. And that's what he was seeing. And he knew because he knew the scriptures. He knew what God had said. Listen, if you live like this, if you, if you walk away from me repeatedly, there will come a day when I will let you go. And he knew that that's what had happened. And so when Nehemiah is surveying the damage in the city, He's saying, man, I, I know what caused this, and it's not people out there trying to get in. Um, it's, it's what's in here coming out uh, that I need to worry about, that our people need to worry about. So um, why were they building? Why, why were they rebuilding this city wall? They were rebuilding the city wall because God was calling them to it. And he was also pointing forward to one who would come and rebuild walls that they needed more than this city wall. Um, when our Jesus would come and would build a, build a wall that we needed, he would build a wall of a, a perfect, obedient life. He would build a wall of a, a life of perfect obedience, a death, and a resurrection. And he would build a gate um, through that through which people could come and actually have communion with God in a way that was not before possible um, because of our sin. And so Jesus is the wall. Um, his perfect life and death and resurrection are our security. Hebrews 5.9 says this, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation, eternal security to all who obey him. 
Um, there is freedom in constraint to, to your true master. Um, we, when we think about freedom, it's often freedom from, but, but really the freedom that God talks about that we really need more than anything else is freedom for. And that is, that is a definition of discipleship that we can use. A working definition of discipleship is, is um, constraint to my true master. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says in John 15, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So in this way, Jesus is the wall that we need. Um, he's saying, hey, look, this is not just anything you want. This is not just anything goes. This is not you in charge of your own life. But if you really want to find life, if you want to have the security and the peace and the flourishing that you were made for, you're going to find it within these healthy boundaries of letting me be your shepherd, letting me be your Lord, and obeying what I tell you. Because when God calls us to obey something, it's not so that he can feel powerful. When God calls us to obey something, it is for his glory, and his glory is displayed in our flourishing. It is for our good. He's saying, I have made you, and this is how I've made you to live. And so when you live in the city of God as the people of God, when you live in the kingdom of God, there are good walls. There are good walls. And Jesus has built those walls, and he is calling us to live within those walls. But Jesus is also the gate. Um, John 14, 6 says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, I am the way into this communion with God that you were made for. I, what I have done, what I have laid down, as I've laid down my life, I've lived this perfect life so that I could take your sin upon myself and suffer in your place so that you can have life. And when I was raised from the dead, that is evidence that the Father has accepted my sacrifice on your behalf. I've, I've been raised from the dead to never die again, and now you don't have to fear the second death either. Because when you were in me, you were, you were in the kingdom of God. You were in the sheepfold. And so he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is the access to the one that our hearts were made for. And um, this was spoken of Jesus in Psalm 118 as a, a prophetic utterance of this, this Savior who was to come. When he says, open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. He is the gate. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord and the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So this, this Jesus is the wall that we need. He is the gate that we need to access into this life that we were made for. And more than that, he, he's not just wall and he is not just gate. He is also the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Um, he is the one who goes outside of the city walls. He goes outside of the gate to lay his life down. Hebrews 13 says this, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, they're burned outside the camp. And what he's saying there is, is all these, this whole sacrificial system that was ultimately pointing to Jesus, pointing to the one who's, who would come whose blood um, would satisfy God for the, for the forgiveness of our sins. All these animals that would always come into the city, into the temple court to be slaughtered and their blood shed, um, 
the, the people's sin symbolically was put on these animals and they were so foul with the people's sin that they had to be sent outside of the gates of the city far, far away and be burned and be destroyed. And it says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. This, this Jesus, our precious Jesus, um, he is our gate and he is our good shepherd who lays down his life and suffers outside of the gates, outside of the walls to come and find us wherever we are. Wherever you are is not too far because he leaves the city. He leaves the safety. He leaves the security and he comes and lays his life down for you to bring you back. So now this side of the cross, um, why is this passage relevant? Why are we reading the most boring chapter possibly in all of scripture about these people who just built this wall a long time ago that ultimately didn't even do anything <laughs> eternally significant? Because it says that all of scripture is about Jesus. Jesus said, all of this is pointing to me. And he's saying, hey, I am your wall. I am your gate, and now in me, you have a new power, and I'm inviting you to build with me. You, I'm inviting you to do the same thing that these people were doing here. You are building walls, and you are building gates. So how do we build walls and gates in Christ? Well, it's, it's the Great Commission. It's, it's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so if you want to think about it like this, um, building walls is, is this call to discipleship. Um, and building gates is this call to evangelism. So um, building walls is teaching people to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. It's, it's building up this these good boundaries it's it's what jesus said in john 15 it's hey hey if you want to find life if you want to find freedom if you want to find security if you want to find flourishing then listen to me and obey me um i'm the one that you need to listen to and so when we are building walls we are we are moving in and amongst each other building these walls in each other's lives and discipleship and so i want y'all to just stop and think about um who has built good walls in your own life who are the people that have built these healthy boundaries of teaching you to obey all that Jesus has commanded in your life? So just stop and think about that for a minute. Who are the people in your family or in your church family or your friendships? Who are the people over the years who have helped build these walls in your life? Think about how they did that. Think about what that was like for you. And then turn around and ask, where, where is Jesus inviting me in his power to build walls? Well, he's certainly doing that. If you have kids, if you're married, he's certainly doing that in your family. He's calling you to build walls for these people. Um, if you're a part of this body, he is certainly doing that here. He is calling you to help build walls for this community. Um, but where, where is Jesus inviting you to get up on the wall? These people all went to a specific place in the wall to build. Some it was across from their house, some it was a certain part of town, some they, they rebuild a certain tower, but where is Jesus inviting you? Because he is, he's calling all of us to get up on the wall and build these, these healthy walls 
for the people of God. And so if you don't know where that is, that's a good question to leave here with, is, Lord, where, where are you inviting me to build these walls? And he's also calling us to build gates. You know, Nehemiah said in, in chapter 2, when I was going around at night on this, this mission, um, I couldn't even fit through the gate because it was so burnt and broken down. And if you want to think about it like this, um, there are people who don't know Jesus that their access feels like it's been burnt and broken down and they can't pass through either because of their own sin or somebody else's sin against them, they have this picture of God that's not true as they're enslaved to the evil one. And so they're living their whole life apart from the very one who can give them life, the very one that they were made for. And, and we all live like that too. And so to stop and ask, who, who are the people who rebuilt your gates? Who are the people that rebuilt your gates to give you access to walk through and to actually commune with the real living God? Not some figment of your imagination, not some scary monster uh, that you thought God was, but who, who showed you who Jesus was and God's love for you in Christ that enabled you to come and receive him and, and be transformed? What did they do? What was that like? And now asking that question of us, like, Lord, where are you calling me to rebuild the gates for the people around me? And that's why I asked you to have that list. Um, because he's asking you to do that wherever you are. It's, it's not some new place. It's where you already are. It's in your home. It's on your street. It's in your place of work. And here's the really cool part. Some of, some of y'all know this very well, thankfully, and some of y'all, this is news, but um, do you know that you rebuild the gates through your words, certainly, but also through your work? That all of our legitimate vocations are eternally significant, that the way that we do the work that God's called us to, whether you're a, a perfumer or a goldsmith or a government official or a priest or whatever, um, we are all rebuilding the gates for people through the way that we love people and the way that we do our work. We are, we are making it easier for people to believe that the gospel really could be true. Because look at what this person is doing in their profession. Look at how they care about the least of these. Look at how they care about fairness and justice and goodness. And beauty, if you're an artist, look at this person. Look how they care about beauty and they're creating beauty in the world. Like all of this. Look at the way that they love me. Look at the way that they take time to not just ask me about this work deadline, but like how, how am I doing? No one's ever cared about me like that before. So, so where in your, your gyms, your coffee shops, your neighborhoods, like where is the Lord inviting you saying, hey, here, it's right here. Like, Rebuild this gate for this man. Rebuild this gate for this woman. Rebuild this gate for this child right here. Where is he calling us to rebuild? And the beautiful thing is he's calling y'all to rebuild all over East Nashville. He has intentionally put you in all sorts of different places because his kingdom is spreading. And he is inviting you to make gates everywhere. Or like if you're a Doctor Strange fan, you're making portals <laughs> everywhere throughout East Nashville. And so, so now we read uh, this chapter in a new light, and you think, wow, this is just a list of seemingly insignificant people doing very ordinary things. Um, and in some ways, Jesus is like, yeah, exactly. Because you are all ordinary people who he loves very deeply, that he has called very specifically to rebuild the gates and walls 
to build up the kingdom of God in East Nashville. And just like I'm sure these people never thought that their names would be memorialized for centuries, that people around the world would read their names centuries later. Um, what we do is eternally significant. And if you don't believe me, listen to this from Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. So no matter what you do, if you're not happy with your career, you're not happy with the way things are going in your life, the Lord is inviting you to see that you are building in his power for his purposes. The king of the universe has invited you to the very places where you are today, and you are building before the face of God. And what you are doing is very eternally significant, and this work will outlive you um, on this earth and into eternity. So go build with joy, build with peace, uh, build with love, and build with hope and faith that, that you will see fruit from this work, um, even if it's not today. Father, we, uh, we need your strengthening because building walls and gates is really hard. Um, it is hard to get up every day and get back on the wall. Uh, but Lord, thank you, Jesus, that we don't do this in our own power. Thank you that um, when we fail, uh, you do not leave us. Your love does not diminish. You are always with us. Um, you will never not be with us. And you are always giving us your love, your power, and your vision for um, how you really want us to live. Lord, keep us from limping through life as a sad bachelorette parade um, and would you enable us to see and love and get excited about um, working shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters to rebuild the gates and walls of this city and I ask that in your name Jesus amen